I'd like to dip you in cheese and spread you over a cracker. Well, you are some kind of freaky. You got me straight tripping, boo. Slashathon. Mm. So um, we watched. It was interesting um, for the true, the true heads out there. They would say that this was surprisingly not obscure for the new Beverly. Oh, uh, we watched the burning. Mm, um, okay, which is uh, basically a Friday the Thirteenth styled ripoff about a poor uh, groundskeeper of a summer camp named Cropsy. Who is accidentally burnt alive by asshole campers? Oh no, crapsy. Five years, he's deformed and angry. <laughs> no. And he comes back for a different set of campers. Um, this time including um Jason Alexander. I, that's good. Um, and Holly Hunter's there. Oh wow. Um, both uh spoiler alert, miraculously survive. Wow. Meetings. Uh, but there are a lot of campers, so Cropsy does get his, okay. <laughs> as they say. Uh, <laughs> Cropsy has some fun. Unfortunately, the burning is uh, more um, shrouded in the fact that it is the Weinstein brothers' first movie in the oh, no. in the business of Hollywood. But they were appropriately booed when their credits Good. came. Off That's nice. Night. I like that. And we cheered when Tom Savini's makeup credit came on. So there was that. Uh, yeah, that cancels it out a little bit. Second film was a certified banger, Friday the 13th, part two. Oh, yeah, it's a classic. I mean, you know. You Isn't that the best one? I've heard that's the best one. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, I think it's. um. There's there, there's no fucking around in it and it has a really good female lead who fights jason quite well um third one was uh sleepaway camp part two. Oh wow which was a fun movie i didn't realize like i'd seen it so many times as a kid i had it pretty damn memorized mm. and then um the third the fourth and final so we were kind of sitting there before everything was getting started and we were like, but this fourth movie, we're like, boy, they've, they've hit us with some bangers. But mm-hmm. I, I've never been to one of these marathons where I've seen, I'm three for three in previously having seen these movies. Yeah. But then we're introduced to 1987's Twisted Nightmare. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which opened, opened doors for Don Saunders. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I had never seen Twisted Nightmare nor heard of Twisted Nightmare. And uh, Twisted Nightmare is quite the scene. It's um, these friends are invited to this camp they used to go to every summer. It's a very classic. Man, we were friends in high school and we flash back. Everyone appears to be 35. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um a group of actors who are trying their best, um, but not many did much beyond 
twisted nightmare so you can kind of get gather perhaps the skill sets on hand. Um, The the plot is wildly convoluted and um, the crowd was cackling and Jen spit up water into her face mask at one point. That's very funny. It was worth staying late, but it was late at the end of it. (laughs) But the Sunday morning boys are (laughs) rising at the crack of dawn. Trampingly Sunday morning. (laughs) For this one, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Shaky Voice Saunderson. And I'm Patrick uh, Gravely Poise Voice, Gravely Poise, Gravely Voice Gremion. Welcome to The Academy. It's early. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know how late Patrick stayed up, but I got home at three. <laughs> oh, I, I went to bed at uh, maybe like one thirty-two. I was watching a little thing called VH1's Top 100 Hard Rock Bands of All Time. You you sent me a text about that, <laughs> and, and I didn't get a chance to get back to you because I was in the midst of this marathon, but I was going to tell you, I more than likely watched this live when this, when this, when this special oh, came out. Same, 100%. Oh. This is like uh, comfort food to me watching. It's like, oh, I haven't watched this since I was like a wee lad. There was there was one there like just top 100 albums of all time. And we used to always joke about it because one of the talking heads was Art Garfunkel. (laughs) And he like brought his record collection with him to the talking head thing. And he was just like beholding Bob Dylan's Highway 61 revisited. Highway 61 revisited. This is one hell of an album, man. <laughs> just like reminiscing in real time. It's just, it wasn't like the Michael Ian Black snappy talking heads that we've gotten used to over the years. No. It was a little rawer form of talking heads on these on these kind of countdowns. It's very much, yeah, like I'd send you like a text where I was like, yeah, this is like a great, if you want to see Sammy Hagar be like, Tool has been my biggest influence currently. Like 2000s Sammy Hagar. It makes me want to listen to like a 1999-2000 Sammy Hagar album just to kind of <laughs> see how that spread to him. It was like always those old guys. So like like Lars Ulrich was always of Metallica. He used to always be like that, where he would like whatever band was like the hottest band. He'd be like, you know, one of the bands Metallica has been listening to quite a bit right now. Uh, Lincoln Park. It's a big yeah. one. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Lars Ulrich is in this, and his like look and expression—it's so he's like a Michael Ian Black character. He is we, like a. We used so. to be so obsessed with. So his favorite band throughout the '90s that he would talk about nonstop was actually Oasis. Oh my god! And it was just like, and like the looks, like the rest of Metallica would give him, and Metallica fans when they ever heard this thing, it was just. But he was just like, Oasis is the most important band in rock music right now. He was like so into Oasis, and it was. And I mean, I I like Oasis. No, they're but great. It's, it's but it's wild to hear like the drummer of Metallica, like, like it's like him like saying, you know. When we recorded the St. Anger album, probably the most important band to us was Coldplay. <laughs> like, <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> my, my, like, uh, Lars Ulrich Danish impersonation is really, like, falling into, like, Joe Spinell-style New York. 
he's kind of like a danish guy pretending to be a new yorker that is like at least like early like like pre uh, some kind of monster lars ulrich this like early 2000s late 90s ulrich i'm watching on this He's, yeah, he's very much. Yeah. He's like, where was he like wearing like a Kangol hat backwards or something like that? Uh, like, he, he's not wearing the hat in this, but he is wearing sunglasses. And yeah, it's, that sounds about right. Yeah, he's it's a, he's amazing. Metallica was always like my favorite band growing up, and just the more <laughs> that he spoke, the more it was like it became a defense of Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a weird. I love. I kind of love it. He's great. Kirk Hammett. I, I know. Kirk, Kirk, Hammett, Kirk, Kirk Hammett rules. Oh yeah. Like, protect, protect Kirk Hammett at all costs. Yeah. Kirk Hammett's yeah. like he is the glue man in that band because he's so like, man, I just want to play guitar solos. <laughs> That's like all he says whenever he's like, yeah, I would just like play uh, Mountains guitar solos over and over again. <laughs> well, that was like the, the if you if anyone out there has not seen some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary one that of, came out. It's one of the great documentaries ever made i was explaining it to my wife recently she'd never seen it before she's like so they're in group therapy and a guy with a guy in a mr rogers sweater i'm like yes yeah <laughs> and <laughs> somehow that guy in the mr rogers sweater is villain. a villain he's the villain of the entire thing <laughs> it really is the, like the big message follow there is don't go to therapy <laughs> scientology <laughs> got it right no 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 <laughs> <laughs> they're swindlers it's so funny when they're recording St. Edgar and like Lars and James are like we're gonna blow everyone's mind no guitar solos on the sound like, like camera pans are recurring and he's like what the, what the fuck is my job in Metallica <laughs> no it's a god I'm excited for all the Metallica's new fans um, from Stranger Things from Stranger Things. Oh, um, yeah. Discover all the narratives that they have missed in the, in the history of Metallica. Oh, God, one of the great American epics. They should, yes. Someone needs to I make know. it. Yeah. And I still, like, love them to this day. And all my friends who are now in their 40s and older, still, like, no matter how much crap they talk, are like, yeah, I still think about them way too much. <laughs> like, their, their last album was really good. Uh, I, uh, I like the... um. What the hell was that one called? It was Hardwired. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, that was that like... Too. It was yeah. better. It was surprisingly better than uh, it had any real reason to be. Exactly. It was like kind of in... Yeah, I think maybe... Yeah, and part of it could be the bar is pretty low at this point. But like, it, at the very least, it sounded like the, you know, the classic Metallica yeah. that we all enjoyed. Yeah, Indeed. Uh, but folks... Enough of that digression. We're not talking Metallica today, because if uh, we were, we'd be straight tripping, boo. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening, um, take a drink, uh, because the amount of times we say that line of dialogue today could get you drunk by the end of this episode. Yeah, you'll be spiritually, you will be straight tripping, boo. <laughs> Man, I was like, I woke up this morning trying to get in this damn movie at 5 a.m. And I was like, I'm, you're straight driven, boo. Go back to bed. Yeah, it's okay. You have, you can, this is like the one movie it's okay to miss for the pot. This it's, is the one. It's so interesting because I've never seen it. And even when it came out the first time around, I felt like, oh boy, I feel like this is okay to miss. It's it's a bad we'll yeah. Get to it in a moment. We're, of course, talking about Dana Elena ones today, otherwise known as Queen Latifah. Oh, Queen Latifah is our topic of the week. Obviously, we she's kind of circled on the fringes of the Academy Academy in recent months. Did that 
crazed appearance. Her first acting performance, actually, I believe, in Jungle Fever as the waitress giving uh, Wesley Snipes and Annabella Skiora shit. Oh, my God. That was her? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. Remember that? Yes. (laughs) And then, then, of course, we were praising her um, for her performance uh, alongside Adam Sandler and his new film, Hustle. Mm, Yes. um, Which she's just terrific in. And then uh, Patrick (laughs) brought up Eugene Levy's immortal line of dialogue that I remembered from the trailer to this movie. (laughs) Which is definitely going right before, that's going to go before the intro song. I 100% watched the trailer to the movie. Uh, And uh, Eugene Levy, boy, his delivery, it's, it's, I mean, it is exactly what you're hoping for from Eugene Levy saying. Here's my preview for what when we talk about well, that movie. All I can think about it too, we were watching Girls Trip and Regina King was um telling her agent or Regina Hall, pardon me. Regina Hall was telling her agent um not to <laughs> use any um cross-cultural um terminology. Oh, that, oh, I think that was yeah. that was the best way I could have put that. terminology, uh, uh lingo. And, yeah, terminology is right. Then watching the trailer to bringing down the house, and I was like, Steve, Eugene, you did not listen to oh. Regina Hall at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The movie is entirely shaped on finding white people saying that kind of shit funny. <laughs> like, uh, that movie the movie came out seven years after set it off. But it felt like it was released in 1981 in terms of like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it that does have like. Uh, yeah, you're right. That does have like surprisingly. Burt Reynolds wasn't in it. 1982. Yeah, no, this <laughs> is like a movie vibes to it. 100. Like it's like as I think 48 Hours is less offensive than this movie. <laughs> Except 48 Hours actually at least is like has talent in other places. And, well, 48 Hours is also like like makes it very clear that Nick Nolte's a racist. Yeah. Like it doesn't like dabble in anything. It's just like, no, this guy's an asshole. I take oh, it yeah, or no. leave it. Also, <laughs> like, also seemingly okay, I'll save my screed against this film for uh when the time comes yeah the time comes um, oh man yeah let's get into a little biography here though yeah uh, born dana lane owens dana lane owens in march 18th 1970 making huh? 52 years young wow. um in newark new jersey um queen latifah um uh, began her career as a uh, hip-hop artist signing with Tommy Boy Records in 1989 and releasing her debut album, All Hail the Queen, November 28th, 1989, uh, featuring the hit single, Ladies First. Second album, 1991's Nature of a Sister. Um, Final album on Tommy Boy um, was released in 1991. Uh, Began her acting career, very similar time period, appeared in Jungle Fever aforementioned and house party part two uh playing zora of course in house party two <laughs> uh <laughs> she was in juice in 1992 oh, that's cool very cool and um probably though kind of made her first like big impression as an actor by being cast in the tv series living single um mm. Kadisha james 
course, uh, from 93 to 98. Her third album, Black Rain, released in 1993, um, became the first album by a solo female rapper to re- uh, receive a certification on the Billboard chart wow. for sales. Spawned the uh, hit single, UNITY. Um, and uh, a little Dawn history, UNITY was the first time I became aware of Queen Latifah. Ah. Work in 1993 as an 11 year old young man uh, digging deep onto the illicit yet um, unstoppable MTV network, <laughs> which is uh, my history of watching too much MTV has come up before on the show. <laughs> You know, as, as yeah. I drink my black coffee instead of a macchiato, <laughs> <laughs> your freaking black coffee. <laughs> He's back. Leary's back. back. Dennis Leary's back. He thought he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Latifah, save us. <laughs> yeah, we need the class of Queen Latifah to save us here. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, that's one thing I want to say too about Queen Latifah is that they say heavy lies the crown. But is there a smoother person that we have met in the history of the Academy Academy? She just seems to like have it down. Whatever needs to happen, she's got it down. She's yeah. uh, she's like very she's an incredibly natural actor, mm-hmm. great hip hop star, and seems like a fun person. <laughs> yeah, and like surprisingly has kind of like I don't know. Watching all three of these movies, she demonstrates like. Not surprising. That's the wrong term. But she has like range. Like yeah. she can do like a serious film. She can do like a comedy equally well, effectively. Well, we've seen her in two classic crews this week. Oh man, yeah. And she's playing different parts of the crew. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of the wild card in our first movie, mm-hmm. where she's one of the more grounded members. In the, yeah. third, in the third movie. Yeah, she's like where the pathos of the film lies. Yeah, whereas <laughs> she's kind of the troublemaker in the first picture. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's kind of like the ice cube. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, I mean, she's, you know, she, you know, in crime movie parlance, when she gets the money, she's the one to go overspending. Ooh. You know, first no, no. have to be talked to by the more level-headed members of the crew that you need to keep up appearances or you're going to attract attention. But if we've seen crime movies before, you know we have. Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell the director of that movie has seen crime movies because then there is... Yes! I think F. Gary Gray has seen a few crime movies. Certain um, homage later on. Bottom line, somebody's ending up frozen in the back of a truck. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Someone, yeah. Tell them we gotta run when Layla starts to play. And, you know, the other thing that's really cool about her is that um, she's, um, she doesn't, like, a lot of performers, when they bounce between um, music and films, seem like kind of dilettantes in one area. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what is, like, you know, Taylor Swift doing in the new David O. Russell movie or something like that. Yeah. Um, but Queen Latifah is very seamless in mm. her bouncing between music and um, films. And, she, you know, you know, and starting off as a hip hop artist who now, you know, she's a quite a vocalist 
as well. And she's released like standards albums and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's like covered like California dreaming and things like that, you know. <laughs> oh, all right. And gotten away with it. When I worked at the record store, this was about her, that era. And we had a lot of older ladies who were coming in by wanting to get hurt, like heard it on NPR and want to get this record. That is so fascinating. I, God, I, I don't think I've ever, I mean, maybe I've listened to stuff on NPR and have been like, oh, I'll get that. I'm trying to think well, of that. That was the like challenge coin of the week at working at a record store when a 50 <laughs> something year old woman who had been driving around between dropping off kids at practices and things. <laughs> For some, some, it was always like a teenager who could sing opera, or yeah. or a dead folk singer, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it would come in. I heard it on NPR. Do you know who their what their name is? No. Do you know what the song was? No. <laughs> it's like, like okay, let's go over the computer see if we can figure this one out. Let's do it. It's felt like um, John C. McGinley trying to solve a crime. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> With the exact same um, ending. Oh no! <laughs> You're putting a gun crying with my hands in my hands. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, and so she she started working, supporting walk on roles due to her kind of you know a lot of I'm sure like. Rolls and Juice and House Party 2 and Jungle Fever were completely based on kind of her presence in music videos and um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then getting, you know, guest starred a couple episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, oh, wow. With the husband of future co-star. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, did Living Single. And then, you know, I'd say at the box office, you know, in terms of cinema, uh, her first uh, gigantic role is our first film. Of the yeah. uh, of the week, which is of course, 1996 has set it off. Uh, American crime action heist film directed by F. Gary Gray, screenplay by Takashi Buford and Kate Lanier. Story by Takashi Buford. Um, this one has got a tremendous cast, um, as we usually get on this show. Of course, Queen Latifah stars as Cleopatra Cleo Sims, but she's alongside of her are Jada Pinkett, Lita Stoney Newsom, Vivica A. Fox, Francesca Frankie Sutton, Kimberly Elise as Tishon T.T. Williams. And then deeper on the bench, we of course have John C. McKinley as the harried <laughs> Detective Strode. Not doing well. <laughs> uh, Blair Underwood as Keith Weston. Um, guy who you know doing well in his career but that's not going to stop him from trying to pick up babes on the bank floor no no no. (laughs) this swab debonair banker swab debonair banker who (laughs) i was totally convinced was going to be like the basketball player that Teresa randall went out with in sugar hill oh yeah i was terrified of that date jada pinkett went on (laughs) yeah but yeah it's nice that like yeah they he kind of gets out of it uh, pretty relatively unscathed, which is yes, nice. Yeah. Which is interesting, yeah. Just yeah. kind of probably his banking career, if this ever gets out, um, it's going to have a black mark on it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's like, eh, it turns out you dated like... Turns out you dated yeah. a serial robber. <laughs> yeah, um, and all the, a, a crime wizard. 
Charlie Robinson from Night Court. You might remember him shows up as a very oh. grim used car salesman. God, yeah. Um, and uh, Thomas Jefferson Bird is Luther. We should bring him up. God, what are the great? Um, uh, what are the great character actors? Yeah. Um. And uh, Doctor Dre is in the mix as Black Sam, gun salesman to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's having fun. Yeah. Uh, he he gets to watch most of the proceedings in an easy chair on <laughs> on television, and probably get paid well. Um, this movie was released November 6th, 1996, budgeted at $9 million, and F. Gary Gray really pushes that to making this a Los Angeles crime epic in the vein of heat. If yeah, you it is. Well, what's crazy to me is, like, the budget of this movie is $9 million, which even I feel like for the time, like, wasn't that high. And this movie feels like a full-fledged movie. This is a this is not some Sundance independent film about people talking in coffee shop booths about their relationships. Yeah. This is yeah, this isn't coffee <laughs> um, and cigarettes, folks. I know a lady gets blasted in the head in a bank at like the five minute mark of this movie. The first 15 minutes are so good. <laughs> Yes, uh, this movie made forty-one point six million at the box office, so some would call it a sleeper success. Seventy mm. percent um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Sites consensus reads it may not boast an original plot, but set it off as a satisfying, socially conscious heist film, thanks largely to performances from its leads. Um, yeah, okay, no, not bad. Um, yeah. Ebert said it was a lot more than a thriller about four women who rob banks, comparing it to Waiting to Exhale, but with a strong jolt of reality. He said, <laughs> I love it. God bless Ebert. He said it creates a portrait of the lives of these women that's so observant and informed. He gave the film three and a half stars. Uh, movie surprised and moved me. I expected a routine action fiction was amazed about how much I started to care about the characters. Ebert, Saint, you're right. Yeah, he got fronts. it. Walt Gene Siskel gave it a thumbs down. Ah, Gene! <laughs> Gene! Gene, you blew it. Gene! That's like a move Gene Shallot would do, sir. No, no. Set it off. More like, set it not. Yeah. <laughs> Gene, you need to go back to the, the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the movie's become a kind of a cult classic crime mm-hmm. movie. Um... You know, it's. I think it's. Um, there's um, apparently the song at the end was used in TikTok videos. Really, <laughs> a bunch. I'm not on there, so I'm not certain <laughs> about that. Um, yeah, the um, there's some, some some memorable moments in the film, and yeah. of course, it's so such a memorable film that. Um, <laughs> There is a little bit of a uh, Easter egg reference to it at a film we're going to talk about later on. <laughs> oh yeah! It Bring comes up full circle. Um, <laughs> it's got a terrific soundtrack. Um, Jen told me she heard the En Vogue song that's played during the Blair Underwood Jada Pinkett love scene in the car the other day. <laughs> it was like, I was like, yeah, set it off. <laughs> 
Um, and they also have a moment in the movie where they say set it off. There's like a moment where they say the line of it, and I, and I kind of pumped my yeah. fist when they did that. I think it's like well, Queen Latifah's like, we have to set it off. So I can't believe, I'd never, I'm going to cinematic confession. I'd never seen this movie before. Really? And I don't know how I missed it. I was texting some friends who are about my age about it. And I was like, man, this is a banger. And they're like, yeah, I haven't seen that since it came out. I got to give that another go. Um, so this movie's terrific. Yeah. Like it's um it's a great time. Ebert got totally right. Like you care so much about all four of them mm-hmm. that like you're so like you know just by like because it does play like the typical crime movie chess pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like you've seen Heat, you've seen Point Break, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's <sighs> life of crime. Uh, you know, they're probably the ladies are probably not going to be taking their cash off into the sunset. Yeah, kind of like live their lives, or at the very least, all of them. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of another crime movie we covered, uh, going out in style a little bit. We're like, oh yeah, a little bit. Where it's like you know they're different movies that kind of like they have their own like separate arcs and whatnot. Like the the movies curve in different directions, but I think one thing they they have in common is they uh i feel like it's less about like the actual process of crime like if you go into this movie expecting like some sort of heat ask like we have the perfect plan uh you're gonna be a little disappointed but, but there you... are terrific action sequences oh 100 yes, there are terrific action sequences that yeah not, you know f gary gray kills it on those he no like and they're like they're directed it's so like snappy it's like really like well directed and um but you know the difference is too it's like you can call like mario van people style snappy but f gary gray has got way more like a grounded quality yeah to it um despite the fact that there is melodrama for sure in mm-hmm. this movie but i love your comparison with going out in style going out in, going in style going in style going in style sorry yeah, not going on style um, yeah because like when i was watching this movie i was kind of talking to jen about like like it i was like kind of like is man this is kind of like hat on hat in a way about just like the shit that's pouring down on these women yeah and jen like sums up so fast she goes yeah when you're a cool white guy you don't really need a huge reason to rob banks other than it's like it's like I'm good at it. Yeah, it is like a hundred percent like yeah. Like we have to like she's like nothing is going right because nothing goes right for these people in real life. Yeah, as women in this situation, and you could argue the same about forgotten older people, old people. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like they're they're the forgotten. You know, yeah. And, I think like the thing too that um, the fact that we get so much of the yeah, they they they, yeah, they feel you you're on their side because you they feel it feels fully justified and it's not like they're dealing with like big numbers either it's like ten thousand here seven thousand there and that's why like if you compare it to like Goodfellas they lose in Goodfellas because they're hubristic assholes yes they lose in this because they're it's impossible for them to get away yeah. And that's what makes Goodfellas like I, an ironic comedy while set it off as tragedy. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, but like, also, but similar to Goodfellas in the sense that there's still like moments of levity. Like it's a, 
it's like a full it's like a full leaf uh i don't know like yeah i think it's like and it does come down to being a terrific crew it's a great crew like one of the best crews we've met we've met a lot i mean we've called it before we've met a ton of cool crews but uh stony cleo tt and uh frankie are excellent and they're all like the movie does such a good job like i said like almost hat on hat establishing all of their reasons yeah. for doing things and kind of like us rooting for them to get a shot out of the hellhole mm-hmm. that they're in i mean they're all from you know a uh, poor economic class mm-hmm. well you know they all work for this like sleazy ass janitor (laughs) very almost a pretty like earless performance in terms of how sleazy and evil he is you know one of the things about it too is like every man in this movie has got a terrible ulterior motive for the most part oh yeah like i and the one innocent in this movie is of course like naturally gunned down relatively early oh that hurts as that that's like one moment where like maybe i should have seen that coming but like no it's like and then like yeah so let's we can we won't let you know i mean obviously we've alluded that things don't go perfectly but this movie you know yeah i think one of the one of the you you texted me it's a movie ass movie and the thing about movie ass movies is that you do want them to hit the beats Mm -hmm. that you're expecting them to hit Mm -hmm. It just like James Gray used to always talk about like there are no real new stories to tell, so just tell the best version of these traditional stories mm-hmm. with your personal touches, and I think that they do that in this movie perfectly because you know it's a pretty classic crime heist movie it, hitting all those beats, but because the four women are unique mm-hmm. um, and the way the story is told and what they're and the setting and everything like that um makes it special um basically so movie opens with a harrowing bank robbery sequence and one of the tellers is vivek a fox frankie mm-hmm. and um the sequence this entire sequence up until the end of the bank her time at this bank it's just like gut-wrenching so we get a great action scene and all goes to hell, man. They're, they shoot the shit out of the place. A bunch of people die. It's brutal. And then um, she, like, freezes up and she's crying. And she kind of, she knows the guys who are doing the robbery from her neighborhood, but she's not close to them mm-hmm. or anything like that. And then when the cops show up and her bank manager shows up, um, basically they assume she's in cahoots. They, like, racially profile it. And yeah. assume she's in cahoots with these guys because she didn't follow bank robbery policy. But she's like, she has a very valid point when you're having an Uzi pointed at you. Um, it's kind of hard to think rationally or clearly. Yeah. Like, I, I sympathize. Yeah, I probably would not. thousand percent. I would probably not follow any kind of protocol. I would be begging for my life. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then like that dude blasts that grandma, like right in the head. It's crazy. It's He's like, like yeah. without like 
any level of thought. No remorse. And no remorse at all. So it's like you see that. It's like, man, these guys are playing for keeps. Like, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. But um, she's fired straight up. Oh, God. Yeah. And it sucks and it hurts and it hurts as a viewer to watch. And you're already like, man, I am with you. I hope the best for you because you got fucking screwed mm-hmm. here. Oh, and we should mention the police are led by John C. McGinley, who swaggers in chewing gum. We know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll just put it that way. Like, yeah, John, John C. McGinley doesn't, isn't known for playing his, like, you know, f- fun and empathetic understanding characters. Touchy-feely, like, man, I know what you're going through, and this sucks. That's not... He has not made a, career, a lengthy career as a character actor by playing this this part. Yeah. I will admit, his guy in this movie, Detective Strode, does have more depth than I was expecting. Yeah, he gets a little arc, which is nice. And he's interesting because I think he's actually trying to be a good cop. But he is just kind of a he's like he seemed like a very realistic middle of the road detective cop to me in LA (laughs) like he's like the intentions are still there of like doing the right thing and solving crime he's just like kind of like a doofus though at it he charges because he's got this white dude confidence where he'll like charge through a brick wall and think he's going to get away with it that's interesting and then when nothing really goes right and he think and he's completely confident he's just going to arrest them yeah and like they'll learn their lesson crime um justice will be served and then when nothing goes murder upon murder <laughs> happens <laughs> and the look on his face just gets more desperate like so like he's like a true believer in like cowboys and cops that he saw on tv yeah. and the reality of it is hitting him as it's going along and he's just like oh my god <laughs> like wait yeah, what, if, what if i'm the baddie every yeah, i know yeah it's like what if i'm the baddie what if everything I believe in is corrupt and wrong? Uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, which and it's it's crazy. It's, so it's really interesting because yeah. you don't see that a lot. Well, and I think yeah, I think you hit the you hit the point like to a T because uh, yeah, he thinks he's Al Pacino and he and he yeah and he's, he's not and he's actually like the cops in real life. Yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. He is not a super cop. He is a normal he, schmuck. He has just enough of a smidge of self-awareness uh, to begin to realize this as the movie's going along and re- and then try desperately because he is this confident white guy to like avoid the inevitable fate at hand. And then when it goes down, it's just like, man, it, like I text each other it's like oh yeah he's gonna fall into alcoholism within six months in a bad way from this from yeah everything he has seen and witnessed and failed at he is going to become this operation <laughs> he's gonna be hanging out at that weird uh like uh house with richard gear from brooklyn's finest <laughs> he's, he's, yeah oh yeah he's on a one-way ticket to being richard gear in brooklyn's yeah. finest yeah Just, waking up uh, was it is he putting a gun in his mouth every morning what was yes. he doing oh, yeah because <laughs> boy if you think set it off isn't subtle go back 
take another look at Brooklyn's <laughs> finest. <laughs> what an insane character! Oh my god, uh, we watched. We have watched a lot of movies on this show. Yeah. <laughs> My brain, my brain hurts. <laughs> I was in the middle of that movie marathon yesterday after having watched Set It Off and Girls Trip. So six movies yesterday. Oh my god! I was just like, what the hell, man! Like I don't even remember. All of these are like coming together. Yeah, you're gonna be talking about Freddy coming in. To... Yeah, so it's like everything, everywhere, all at once, except it's just bank robberies <laughs> and like Slash. weird campfire tales. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and then this is the part of the movie where Pumpkinhead fights Queen Latifah. I know it's um, it's not as emo- not as emotional as everything everywhere all at once, but probably a little more fun. <laughs> yeah, gets your gets your hearts uh, stringing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, you don't got it. I got you. <laughs> back to so Frankie goes back to her her girlfriends, her three best friends, Stony, Cleo, and TT. After this. And we learn that things aren't terrific for, they're all working for paltry wages for Luther, who sucks, mm. <laughs> the head of this janitorial department. Um, Rondell with Stoney, played by Jada Pinkett, mm. is uh, trying her best, but um, you know, getting out of her situation, making enough money. She's got a huge high hopes, though, for her little brother to go to UCLA and kind of uh. make his way out of the community and kind of you know, pull up the bootstraps, as they say, in the illusion of the American dream. (laughs) (laughs) We have Cleo, played by Queen Latifah, who seems to have kind of given in to the trappings that surround her and just simply embrace them. So whether it, you know, she kind of like, it doesn't take a lot to get her to fall into wanting to get into violence and robbing banks and stuff like that she she doesn't have like she's very realistic and sees kind of her positioning in the in the world and the unfortunate american system and Mm. it's just like fuck it i'm gonna do what i can to get mine yeah it's gonna have a good time while i do so it's it's refreshing seeing like uh like a version of this character that's not a guy Yes. So we've we've met. I mean, um, for Cleo, the action is the juice. Yeah, she is. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Action is the juice. Character. Yes. <laughs> she loves the action. She loves juice. And uh, Kimberly Elise plays TT, who um, is a sing is a single mother who's just trying to, um, you know, give her son a good life. Kimberly Elise, of course, in the news recently for um, going on Twitter and praising the overturning of Roe v. Wade. <laughs> so, oh, no, Kimberly. Oh, oh no. Oi, I, you, you. For you, man. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? You know, it was not well received. No, I would imagine. Um, so. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Not well Probably set it off. Uh... Some uh, bad viral. comments. Set it off virally. Yeah. Um, so their situation isn't great. Do things get worse? Yes. Um, Stoney's brother did not get into UCLA. And mm. unfortunately, he told her prior to telling her he straight up didn't get in. He told her that there were some fees he was late on. So she gives in sexually. 
two creepy ass used car salesman, Charles oh. Robinson in harrowing scene unpleasant sequence yeah. uh <laughs> definitely not his character from night court <laughs> yeah I, I wonder if that's like part of like it's like okay i can be an evil slaves bag um and then meanwhile at their janitorial job because she cannot afford child care tt brings her son to um the office that they are um working at and he goes right in and I don't know, does he drink some like white out or something like that? Something along this line. They never they don't even they don't show it, but it happens. Uh, he's severely poisoned. They have to go to the emergency room. He survives, fortunately, but unfortunately, child protective services now believe TT is a bad mother and the boy is taken away. <sighs> nightmare. Um, nightmare situation. And then um after the incident with Night Court's Charles Robinson, Stoney tries to give the money to her brother. He tells her he just did not get into UCLA. Then he goes out and hangs out with the guys who robbed Frankie's bank. The police show up. And in typical LAPD fashion, they accidentally gun down Stoney's brother. <laughs> um, uh, truly, uh, yeah. A little innocent. Um, John C. McGinley is upset about it, but at the same time, my friend, when you send in the entire SWAT team who are aching to shoot people, um, this is what happens. Yeah, it's on you, buddy, a little when bit. Not, when you're not thinking about things at all. Yeah. And, uh, and Cleo, like we mentioned before, kind of just wants a better car and lingerie for her girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, just wants to cash herself. So all of our ladies are F. Gary Gray and the screenwriters, Takashi Buford and Kate Lanier have laid down the groundwork mm -hmm. that we have no options and need money bad, especially TT who needs to prove she has income to get her son back. Yeah. Um, Revenge is more on the minds of Stoney and Frankie, and Cleo is in it because she's a good friend <laughs> and, and wants yeah. some and wants some action and some money. And it's like, fuck it, you know. She, this, is, this, a... is, this system sucks. Like, what else are we gonna do? We're having a fun time. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, and she's like high half the time, which gets called out quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, due to Frankie's insider knowledge of banks as a former bank teller um they are able to kind of oh no hello we are currently experiencing some technical difficulties Hello, hello. Hey, so my computer crashed. I'm on the phone. <laughs> oh, no, no worries. Um, uh, yeah, so you might have to do stats for the next movie. No worries. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, so we're setting it off. Mm -hmm. uh, I apologize to listeners technical difficulties if I sound weird on speakerphone. 
We're making but, it work, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're making it work, folks. We're doing this for you. Um, <laughs> they they are surprisingly successful at their bank robberies due to Frankie's insider knowledge um, and kind of just ingenuity and guts. Um, Frankie is kind of the leader of the crew, so she tells them to keep jobs. Don't um, don't go crazy. Queen Latifah, of course, um, immediately gets a cool new lowrider. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty we know quickly. who the cool character is now. Yeah, we're like, oh boy. <laughs> and meanwhile, um, as they're casing their next bank, Jada Pinkett is met by suave debonair banker Blair Underwood, who... Mm. Who, you know, basically like gives her his phone number on the bank floor, and you know, he's very interested in her. Um, and they begin a uh, initially chaste, but then not so chaste romance that involves uh, weird necklace massages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of odd massages, uh, but uh. You know, yeah. Dragon, dragon, and necklace up her butt. It's like, what the hell is going on with these? That, guys? yeah, that scene is kind of what. Which one? I feel like the one, the sex scene in uh, Posse is still a little crazier than this one, but this one's kind of yeah, wild. But it, uh, it, it brought up Posse vibes. Yeah. Where Underwood, of course, in Posse as the guy who's telling out his own town. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice upgrade of character. <laughs> You're going from uh, he like, yeah, he pretty woman's or he takes her to a fancy party, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, Jada's getting a taste of the finer things in life and is like setting herself up for escape mm-hmm. uh, from the world of crime and her community and so forth. But meanwhile, they have hidden. Their cash from a gigantic score. An amazing scene where Queen Latifah drives an SUV into the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, or truly terrific. McGinley is totally on their tail. He he's got them figured out who they are, uh, and just needs to get catch him in the act. They they put all their cash into the vent at this building that they clean. They arrive at the building though one night in 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 true truly keeping up appearances. Um, they discover a brand new janitorial staff. Their money is gone. Luther has absconded with it. Oh no, Luther! <laughs> they they track down Luther, who's getting drunk. Yeah, have a gross set. <laughs> Just being a lecherous, <laughs> evil character. <laughs> and they get in his face. A uh, confrontation occurs, and TT blows him away. Yeah, through act of violence. Uh oh, they can't find the cash. They've now committed murder. Are they in too deep? Probably. We should note uh, they get their guns from Dr. Dre, all-purpose gun salesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Black Sam, of course, <laughs> the titular Black Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they have to go. For one big final heist, 
everything starts to come to head. They're warning banks about these four female bank robbers. They go to Blair Underwood's bank. He sees security footage. He's shaken because he kind of puts two and two together on who he's dating. Um, and it all kind of starts to come to head. Basically, we won't spoil how it all comes to head if you haven't seen this movie because it's a great time and you should check it out. Yes. It's on Showtime right now if you got the Showtime network. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a banger of a movie. 99% of the way there, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, 1%, though, they do do a scene in their office building where the Godfather music <laughs> begins to play. Yes. And the four women go on an extended riff of doing a god a poor Godfather impersonation. It's It's... Bad. It's an attempt at humor that everyone seems to have had a fun time doing. Yeah. Does it fit in this movie? Not one bit. No, not at all. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I kind of like it for the sheer novelty of seeing Vivica A. Fox doing a, like, Marlon Brando impersonation. Like, that's an insane thing I never thought I'd see, ever. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Strange. Um, it's it's peculiar. It is very peculiar. It's so weird. It, it like <laughs> even does like the the um the Godfather face. It's like she has like Marlon Brando's mouthpiece in her mouth. Yeah, I mean they're 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 really they're really going for it. They're <laughs> they're going the hell out of it. It's weird. Yeah. It's super um, weird. It's it's bizarre. Because like folks, the rest of this film is you know grounded. Like you said, like emotional, mm-hmm. act-heist human movie. And then there's just this weird scene. But then there, I was thinking on it later, and it goes to show how over their heads they are. Yes. That they're like doing these bits and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, it's another one, like we've seen it a few times, like where the culture of these movies has infiltrated, exists in the culture of the newer movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, in New Jack City, he's watching Scarface. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they're like aware of The Godfather. But as we talked about in our Irishman episode during the Al Pacino season, absolutely no one has learned the lessons. No. Of any of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are fans of Set It Off who just think it's badass that it's like these guys robbing banks. Stuff like yeah. that, and not thinking about how Set It Off does an amazing job of questioning the American system and people getting left behind, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure, they do a really good job of like I think they have Gary Gray like, uh, you know, it's very, it's a very like, it's just like it's just like very, it just it's another film in the pantheon of actually maybe the system's bad movies. Like it's another classic like. Uh, you know, it's like Scarface or Carlito's way where, like, I feel like, yeah, you, the takeaway should be that this system is bad. And uh, I appreciate that it's a little more, you know, as much as I love New Jack City, there's a, and as much as Set It Off hits you over the head with it, I still think it is, like, a hair more subtle than the former. Yeah. 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 Like you're not yeah you're not getting like a, 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 a you're not getting a paragraph of uh, 
of justification of explanation for why crime is bad. No, no, it just um, they do a great job in this movie. I think um, you know F. Gary Gray is a really terrific, um, you know, workmanlike mm-hmm. mainstream director. You know, I mean, other films that you may have heard of from him, of course, Friday, mm. banger, but did the negotiator did the italian job remake did the insane law abiding citizen oh my god that movie i i need to rewatch that movie because last time i saw it that movie left a horrible taste in my mouth but now i kind of want to revisit it um kind of a gross movie if i remember correctly too i did not like it either (laughs) yeah it was like a yeah it was a cruel movie i remember that movie being cruel but uh yeah yeah. but he has the goods like you watch this movie and it's like Compton, the he did one of the Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. I, I look forward to whatever he makes next. Yep. Uh, I... But this movie rocks. It's based on the performances. It's great. Queen Latifah is badass in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great time. I hi, highly recommend it. It was. Um, I'm glad we watched this one. For sure. Do you know that Queen Latifah performed the God Bless America at the Super Bowl in 2010? No. This lady does it all. (laughs) God damn. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. And so in in addition to keeping up her musical career, she's just like doing tons of movies. You know, she's in Hoodlum. She's in Living Out Loud. Uh, The movie Fear came up last night in conversation. (laughs) (laughs) In the Bone Collector, did you know she does one of the dispatcher voices in Bringing Out the Dead? Oh, wow! <laughs> that we are scheduled to go see tonight at the new festival. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 2002, kind of has, uh, you know, a real breakthrough moment. She's in Chicago and nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and this goes to show her versatility and just kind of she's all you know how much she's done and you know in the same year of course naturally she's in roberto benini's version of pinocchio mm-hmm. she's in brown sugar and she's in the country bears movie so, so it's all happening for her in 2002 oh man the country country bears movie uh not a good movie but if you want to see christopher walken uh fake like there's a scene in that movie where like he wants to destroy the country bears is like little house or something. To, I, I forget why he wants to. He's an evil banker or some or, or or evil land developer, something like that. But he he wants to get rid of the country bears like domicile. And at one point, there's a scene where he has like his office right, and he has like a little like kind of like popsicle stick like recreation of the country bears house on his desk. And then he presses, he has a button, and he presses the button, and a giant cartoon, like, like, anvil kind of comes down and squishes it. And he, like, feigns surprise. He's like, oh, no! And so he does, the, it's like, there's like a, a montage of him destroying a simulacrum of the country bear's house on his desk going oh no over and over it's one of the great i love it it's on youtube you should just watch watch watching christopher walk and go oh no over and over again it's really funny you know every movie is a miracle and oh, 100%. 100%. 
<laughs> it's that one more than others, maybe. But she just kind of continues on this wonderful run. You know, she's in 2003. She's in Scary Movie 3. And, mm. of course, she's in a, the gigantic smash hit, Bringing Down the House. Oh, on no. Movie. Yeah. She does three American romantic quotes, comedy quotes. <laughs> uh, directed by Adam Shankman, written by Jason Filardi, uh, starring Steve Martin, Queen Latifah, Eugene Levy, the half man himself, Angus T. Jones. Uh, <laughs> Joan Plowright, uh, Gene Smart, whose career is going better. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is like she's she has she's good in it she's probably one of the least uh she's one of the least terrible parts of the movie always good and of course uh betty white as peter's racist neighbor mrs klein oh god um, like yeah. march 7th 2003 budgeted at 33 million dollars Made one hundred and sixty-four point seven million. Fucking box. Christ! God damn it! Huge hit. This is shame <laughs> on America. Shame on America. <laughs> the movie has a thirty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Too high. Consensus reads: Though the cat signs, this can't save this comedy, which is an overly contrived and filled with outdated outdated and offensive racial jokes um of course um this movie has did won a few was nominated and won a few awards patrick would you like to hear what awards it was nominated for oh god why let me guess Uh, golden globes queen latifah won a teen choice award in 2003 for choice movie actress comedy Uh, i guess she also won the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture. She was nominated for, um, of course, a MTV Movie Award for Best Performance. Oh, no. And she was nominated for Best Fight, shared with Missy Pyle. And then, um, of course, Steve Martin was nominated for Best Dance Sequence at the MTV Movie Awards. Okay, that... Uh... That award is undeserved. The fight is good. I will stand by. There's a scene in Bring Down the House where uh, Queen Latifah and Missy Pyle uh, have just a full on like, like Bruce Lee level fight. And uh, it's actually surprisingly well choreographed for a movie of this nature. And uh, <laughs> the justice that is doled out to Missy Pyle uh, is satisfying. So it is like that's a good moment in the movie. I'll give that. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, confession to the audience, uh, due to my late night last night, um, I was unable to squeeze in bringing down the house this week, you know, living a busy lifestyle. And unfortunately, these things happen. I apologize. It will not happen again, hopefully. But Patrick, our uh, Academy Academy official bringing down the house correspondent. Ugh, you- I don't want that. <laughs> Uh, tell, tell us, tell us about your experience with this. Oh, and I should mention, I've actually never seen that movie. It's bad. Okay, so this is a movie where, like, okay, so it reminds me of As Good as It Gets because I remember seeing this movie, um, and as a kid, I saw it when I was like, I think I saw it like when it came out in theaters, and 
Actually, no. I will say with As Good As It Gets, uh, watched that a lot on TV, didn't realize how poorly it aged until we saw it again. I think even in my young age, in my impressionable age, when watching this in 2003, I think I even then recognized that this movie was like kind of like, you know, not a little outdated, a little outmoded in its uh, <laughs> in its, in, in um, its takes, a little provincial. Um, yeah, comedy styling, perhaps we're not up to our 2003 liberal America standard. Yeah, although there is this thing, this movie, there's, someone needs to write, like, there's like a good, like, you know, if Grantland was still around, there'd be like, there's like a great, there, there, there's like, I feel like we just watched so many movies for the podcast and you can kind of see uh, we at this point, I feel like I can kind of see the ebb and flow of culture um, through the movies we watched at certain time periods. And I feel like, yeah, 2000, the early 2000s was 100% like the era of like South Park and like peak, like we've solved racism. So we're allowed to be kind of racist like that, like... So- <laughs> Yeah, and I think that there was also a, um, so this is 2003, there were two kinds of movies that came out in 2003. There were the um, Stop Loss in the Valley of a Law, Boy, the Iraq War is Sad. Yes. Movies. <laughs> and then there was, and I'll call this genre, the Wild Hogs type movies. Huh. In which ostensible comedies with actors you know and love were released that made inexplicable amounts of money that I have a feeling if you checked out the demographics probably made a lot of their money in the red states. Yes. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. The last time Hollywood was making movies that appealed beyond the liberal city bubbles. Mm. In a sense. Yeah. And they um they don't make these movies as much anymore. And mm, yeah. Because I think like the last bastion of them was that Tim Allen show that was on Fox that people were upset that got canceled. Yes. Like that the last man standing or whatever that was called. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, they've just kind of like because they like awards and they like patting themselves on the back for having the right yeah politics right <laughs> because cultures all they all and one on the left has left <laughs> to say they ha- are in charge of in this yeah. country uh, and they're and so it's gotten weirder and more obnoxious on that end too yes but they say that we should be mourning the loss of the wild hogs or bringing down the houses of the world, which I don't yeah. think they should be. Yeah. Well, I would say that like wild hogs is more tamed. Hmm. Wait one second. Okay, good. For a split second, my, uh, headphone or my microphone changed, but I think we're good now. Uh, do I sound normal? Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> I guess, like, we can't have two people with bad microphones. <laughs> I was, I was nervous. It's almost as if God does not want me to put up a bring down the house review. <laughs> No, like, <laughs> don't talk about it, even though I made a fortune off this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, I felt, yeah, you feel so bad for it's so funny too, because, like, yeah, the first like 10 minutes of the movie, like, there's kind of like chintzy Woody Allen music, and 
it's pretty harmless. It feels like it feels like there's the potential for this movie to be okay. And I was kind of like cautiously optimistic. Like, you know, like it's not too bad, uh, you know, and then you get introduced, you know, and they, they kind of like lay down like some pretty generic, like there's a, a young person at the law firm Steve Martin works at that's uh, um, kind of like a jerk. That's the enemy of Steve Martin. Uh, he has like a pen pal that he's going to go on a date with, but you have a feeling that this uh, date's going to be a little funky. It's going to be a little different from the usual dates. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's divorced from Gene Smart because he's kind of like works too much. And, you know, he puts his job ahead of his uh, kids too often. Uh, he has like he a. Yeah, he likes a record scratch and walking on sunshine or I feel good by James Brown comes on in the trailer. Oh God, I forgot. That trailer is kind of no. I mean, I I'm imagining. That yeah. Oh, you're imagining it. I was like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I first split. I thought you were being like just honest, like you were telling. And I was like, yeah, no, I can see oh, that. Yeah. The thing, the thing that haunts me in the trailer is like Steve Martin um, doing a Bullworth impression. He <laughs> goes, of- he goes full Bullworth. <laughs> full, that's the that's the climax of the movie is him going full Bullworth with none of the. Um, social commentary of Bulworth. It sucks so it's so bad. That is kind of like that is like the we've seen some distressing things for this podcast, right? Like we've seen children shot, we've seen uh <laughs> puppies like run off of boats, like we've seen terrible and that that was like my my life massacre. Just watching oh my god, it's straight up just he's doing like <laughs> Steve. Patrick's gonna watch the Paterno movie. <laughs> I would watch the Paterno movie twice before this. Twice. Well, that's, that's damning. Damning. <laughs> it's like, and if I don't want to be like two, because like, look, it was two thousand three. Except like, you know, like you watch Set It Off, and that was a movie made seven years earlier. And it's not like Set It Off is like a, you know, perfect movie. Like, there's definitely problematic elements to it. But, like, this is like, Bring Down the House exists in a world where, like, segregation is, like, it feels like it exists in a world where segregation, like, exists still. Like well, the, the, the posters, the look on Steve Martin's face does say, like, man, I did not know Black people existed, and I'm nervous. <laughs> That's <laughs> genuinely the vibe. Like, Betty White plays such an evil character in the movie. She is, like, unloved. I've never seen a movie, like, de-glamorize Betty White so effectively. Like, you hate her. <laughs> and and no one hates her. <laughs> yes, she's a nice person. She's nice in every movie. That's her thing. Nice old she's lady. Nice in, nice in real life. She drops a she drops an F word at one point. The the other the, the not the F word. not fuck the F like not the good F word the bad not one the fun one yeah the, not the, the fun not the fun yeah the the, the slur one it's crazy <laughs> you're you're and she she does it like a you're dressed like a blank and it's like what the fuck. <laughs> Oh my god it's crazy it's like it's truly unreal you feel like you're going oh. insane um i wish the movie yeah yeah, yeah no wow. it's it's truly there's like yeah like because like what happens is like ugh, they give just like a rundown of the plot like 
I'll, I'll be very quick. We got to move on because this this movie we don't need to spend too much time with this movie. But like you, it's it's basically like Steve Martin has a pen pal, or no, it's not pen pal. It's like he's on a chat room with like other lawyers, I guess, or like she meets he meets someone in a chat room. Like it's like it's like pre MSN Messenger. It's just she's he's going on random chat rooms talking to like people about law stuff, and he gets it off with this one lady. And he thinks, like, you know, Queen Latifah sends a picture. Uh, there's, like, a nice blonde lady in the front. And then, like, in the very far background, you see, like, you see Queen Latifah being arrested. But then uh, when uh, they schedule, like, a, a first IRL meetup, uh, you know, lo and behold, behold, it's not, a, like, you know, a, a blonde, a, a live blonde woman who's going to meet Steve Martin. It's Queen Latifah. And that's Uh-oh. like, the, yeah, that's the record drop moment. She is like inexplicably dressed like Larry the Cable Guy. It's really weird. Like that's like their idea of like it's like they give her like like white trailer trash. Like it's very odd. She's just wearing a lot of jeans. It's like Jay Leno esque. Uh, like it, <laughs> it's kind of it's an odd it's an odd choice. It doesn't feel like it fits her character, but whatever. Um, Man. And so is this is this stuffy white lawyer gonna learn a thing or two from the hip hop culture? Yeah, just like things better. Yep, and you bet your butt that he's also going to uh, also save her from uh, going to prison for a crime she did not commit. And did we just become best friends from life for life? Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> yeah, we fly now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It, I thought it was going to be an actual romance between the two of them, but it appears it's just a friendship. Oh, it's a cordial friendship. Yeah, they don't accept. And they then, yeah, but then, love. yeah, but don't worry, Eugene Levy, she does, Queen Latifah does get love uh, from Eugene Levy, who plays uh, <laughs> like a, a Pepe Le Pew incarnate, you know, just, just <laughs> a, a creature of pure id, just horny for Queen Latifah, uh, using all this. <laughs> Ah, oh, God, I will say when he says you have me straight tripping, boo, in the moment, it is kind of funny. Uh, that's like the one time that that yeah, that, that theater you're going to stand up and just like raise. This is um like Nicole Kidman's watching it at the AMC. <laughs> yes, this is 100 percent the moment she's in the film. She, this is the reason why movies, movies exist. Movies are back. Movies are back. Sounds you can feel. I kind of wish this movie because like yeah this is like I said this is like a world where you get the sense that like loving V Virginia never happened like it's just totally like it's just totally like fucked up it's like I was so convinced that like so based on just the poster and a guess I was like oh it's going to be a romance that Steve Martin never expected and Eugene Levy was his like lechy sidekick that needed to be talked out of it. Yeah, but uh, but no, it appears it's just about Steve Martin getting his blonde wife Gene Smart back. Yes, it's a hundred percent that, and that's how the movie ends. Well, and the thing too is like, you know, in Set It Off, Blair Underwood plays like like a banker, right? Like, and <laughs> like he it shows like you know. Like their 
every group of people is multifaceted and like can has the potential to do anything or whatever. In this movie, it is like there are no black people at the law firm. There are no black people at the country club. It truly is like it feels segregated. And I think it's like supposed to be kind of a bit, but it just feels kind of not nauseating when you watch when it. There is a potential for commentary on this but I don't think this movie has any interest in that. Not at all. No, it's, it's, I think it's just like, I, it doesn't feel, it feels, um, it doesn't feel, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Adam Shankman is trying to say some commentary about how like certain parts of society have, are closed off and prevent certain people from like achieving, you know, whatever. But uh, it doesn't, it feels, it doesn't feel like commentary. It just feels like, they were just casting the movie and that's how they did it uh yeah it's yeah it's a retro retrograde comedy yep you, you, you wish there's like a moment in the movie where like uh steve martin just says some like horrible like they're kind of like doing that thing in movies like you ever in the movie wild west where like in wild wild west where will smith and uh was it kenneth Branagh or colin firth who played the bad guy in that movie Branagh's the bad guy Branagh's the bad guy yeah they kind of have like a like being uh having uh legs that don't work uh is they, they, they like like will smith will like say like a joke about how his legs doesn't work and then like kenneth Branagh would say like a joke about how he's black and like that was like the the tit for tat like there's like see like a bunch of scenes like that basically in bringing down the house where like it's like mm, you're you know I'm gonna say something racist here as a slight own on you um and you know that happens a couple times and you and it made me wish that like there was a version of this movie where like Eugene Levy and like Queen Latifah just go on like a a Queen and Slim or Body and Clyde level or Natural Born Killers style rampage on this world. Yeah. <laughs> You got Adam Shankman was kind of a king of that genre that I was talking about. I mean, he did um, 2001's The Wedding Planner. He did 2002's Walk to Remember. He did 2005's The Pacifier and 2005's Cheaper by the Dozen Part Two. He did uh, Sandler's Bedtime Stories movie. Oh God! He did The Hair and Rock of Ages, and um, all the way into like in 2019, he did What Men Want. The gender swap version of what women want mm-hmm. and uh, got the enchanted sequel coming out this year disenchanted I, I mean like he's not like an untalented guy like the movie is no, comp- yeah like i don't mo- think you i don't think you work as much as he does without bringing like you know a competency to the table yeah like the, mov- yeah, the movie itself is shot well and like, like I said, like that one, I think like the thing too, is he was like, um, he used to do, um, like he was a choreographer, I believe before he was like a director, yeah. like, and he was like good friends with like the lady who directed uh, step up. Like they both like mm-hmm. danced together and like an Oscar, ser- like an, un- like a, a little mermaid themed Oscar, uh, dance sequence at the 1990 Academy Awards. And I believe they like, they like became friends after that or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and like I said, the like, best part of the movie is easily the fight sequence between like uh, Queen Latifah and Missy Pyle. Missy Pyle kind of plays a um, just a totally irredeemable character, like a racist, the racist younger sister sure. of Jean Smart, who's like 
she's like an Anna Nicole Smith type, like dating older men to like get their fortune or whatever. Um, that's kind of like the jokes that they thrust onto her, unfortunately. And they have yeah. like a yeah, like a hardcore fight in a country club bathroom. That's really funny. And it makes you wish that Adam Shankman like did some action movies or something like, you know. Um, Genuinely, I was like looking through his uh, biography here to see if he's ever been up for a Marvel movie because mm. it seems like um, he's got like the like the cred for like an Ant Man sequel or something like. That. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think he's like. He, he's, yeah, he's kind of like, yeah, there's a couple of directors that are just like, yeah, the current, like, workmen of Hollywood right now, where, like, mm-hmm. they can, it's like Len Wiseman kind of comes to mind, uh, or, like, uh, where, like, they're not, like, you know. I mean, the ultimate is the Russo brothers. They're kind of the kings of the blandly getting stuff done. Yeah, just getting it, yeah, blandly getting stuff done. Although, like, <sighs> Yeah, like this fight sequence was probably better than anything the Russo brothers any ever did. I don't know. Like, I like this fight that one, but then like, yeah, but then like the movie culminates to like, um, basically what happens is like you know hijinks ensue. They get to know each other better. Um, there's also like a big like Joan Plowright plays like this old like British lady who I guess grew up in the South too. It's kind of confusing. And she, like, is, like, a big client for this, like, law firm. I think it's, like, tax law. I can't quite remember. And so that's, that's always in the background, like, hijinks with this old lady. Like, they're always occurring. And, like, Queen Latifah has to pretend to be, like, the, the nanny to Angus T. Jones and Kimberly Brown, like, Steve Martin's kids. Um, and all that stuff sucks. It's pretty bad. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> all that sucks. Yeah, it's all bad. It's all depressing. It's, like... It's like Steve Martin is such an empathetic actor and like a an interesting yeah. like he's such a good tender performer and Queen Latifah is also a very like she's like just naturally like these two actors are so naturally charismatic that it's almost kind of painful to watch them in a movie like this cuz they're just so much better than the than the material yeah the material it's like yeah although uh once you get to the climax of the movie where you find out that queen latifah's uh ex widow is like an evil uh like a shady guy or whatever widow he uh kind of like framed queen latifah and they use it's so interesting i think they actually use like footage from set it off because like queen latifah was like framed for robbing a bank and you see like the picture uh, it's either like a picture from Set It Off or it's like an homage because uh, you see like, you know, you know how like in Set It Off they have those um, awesome like see-through masks, those those masks that sort of obscure your face, but but kind of don't like the translucent masks that they wear. Like it's it's that like they're wearing the translucent mask and the wig. So it looks like footage from Set It Off. At least it feels like it's a homage, an homage. But then you find out that like it was actually Widow wearing that stuff to, like, throw off the cops. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then uh, Queen Latifah got framed. And so, like, at a certain point, Queen Latifah has to go into, like, a club, or not Queen Latifah, at a certain point to, like, 
I guess, like, saves Queen Latifah from being sent to prison. He has to, like, like, go into this, like, nightclub run by Widow, like, in, like, a tough part of town. And he does it by... Steve Martin's idea is, oh, I'm going to go into this club and pretend to be a black guy. Hmm, I'm going to do the... the he, he, he does a Malibu's Most Wanted. He does a Bullworth. Uh, and oh. it's it's truly it's harrowing it's like 10 minutes that it feels like if i'm if i like get struck by lightning right now and got sent to hell like hell would be at least for like the fourth the first thousand years would be me having been forced to watch like steve martin do like like racist voice for like (laughs) the five minutes like because he just goes through a club and like you know you He's just like talking to people and like having little, you know, trying to do little bits. The bits fall flat. For some reason, like women start dancing with him and like, you know, he starts like, it just like, I don't know why anyone interacts with this man in this club. It, it's crazy. It's no one, no one would. Everyone would be like, this guy sucks. Like, fuck him. <laughs> he should get shot. <laughs> Yes, this bad man. <laughs> and then I remember, like, it, like it, we were like doing um, UCV or whatever, mm-hmm. and somebody was in class. Like some wise ass starts doing a bit, like introductions. Like mm-hmm. I'm a so, and man, I'm like faking anybody <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> my teachers one of the guys did it and she just like gives him this dead-eyed stare she goes do it a bit <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the reaction to steve martin what are you doing doing a bit yeah that's do that. get, get out of here leave you were having fun before you get here <laughs> yeah honestly yeah he does it is like also like the old lady ends up at the club i guess like queen latifah like is and eugene levy also like eugene levy is not in the movie enough he's only in it for like a little bit like he, get, he ever get dressed like bullworth uh wait say that one more time does eugene levy ever get to dress like bullworth he does not get to dress like bullworth he Eugene, if you're if you're going all the way, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think it's just because I think that Eugene Levy is like the master of cadence, and mm-hmm. when he says it, it feels earnest in a way that it doesn't with Steve Martin. Yeah, I think that's why he's able to get away with "You've Got Me Straight." It's still, I might retire it because this movie was so odious. I might have to retire ever saying "You've Got Me Straight." I might have to put that in the club. Kelsey Martin, his age, he should be a lonely divorcee pining for Meryl Streep. Yes, we. That's 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 a much better role for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a pie with Meryl Streep or whatever they make together. (laughs) Drive your Audi over to Meryl Streep's house and try and convince her you're better than Alec Baldwin. You are. Yeah, yeah not hard. Yeah, pretty easy, especially nowadays. Yeah, you know, and bring down the house times. We didn't have like Twitter and like the access to instant news that we do nowadays. So I feel like we see. So you put out a cringe movie like that and get away with it. Like you put up Bring It Down the House with this storyline today, it's getting like uh, fucking crucified on Twitter. Oh, they're, 
oh, they're all like going to, you know, cinema jail. They're all getting arrested, going yeah. to cinema prison. Like they're like they're stuck in the boondocks. Yeah. Like apologies will have to be issued. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like you couldn't yeah, you could not recreate like a um, yeah, you couldn't do a Malibu's most wanted in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel. Yeah. Flipping through Roku on like they're promoting the head white chicks on the Roku channel. Oh my god, I saw that movie in theaters. That was an insane. That was like, who was clicking on white chicks in 2022? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, there were like moments in that movie I found funny when I watched it. Like, I guess like Terry Crews singing to Vanessa Carlton was funny when you first saw it, but beyond that, that movie's pretty bad. <laughs> I will say that we have been dire and everything like that, but we are, our next movie we're going to talk about, our final movie of the day and our tribute to Queen Latifah, frankly, restored my faith that a comedy is possible. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, actual- yeah. Okay, let's get at, thank you. This <laughs> is a great... Modern era because the next film rocks top to bottom. It's I like good. The, I, this is the second time I've seen it, and I liked it even more this time around <laughs> it's <laughs> so fucking raunchy yeah it's yeah and and so any middle-aged white male comedian who says you can't be raunchy and funny anymore mm-hmm. we will point you in the direction of 2017's girls trip yes tell you that it is all possible yes um, in the meantime though between 2003 and 2017 14 years Gwen Steve just kept pumping out hits mm-hmm. noteworthy noteworthy product where she also got to be the star of a lot of these movies like top of the top of the number one on the call sheet mm-hmm. star and it's great it's terrific i mean everything from um you know starring roles and things like taxi beauty shop last holiday the basketball one she did was common just right i believe that one was called mm. um you know, to great work in like a movie like Stranger Than Fiction, the Will Ferrell movie. Um, mm-hmm. she's, good, she's good at, you know, she does like, she, she, she can play a goofball or an authority figure. She's got that versatility. You know, we were talking about that, like, um, you know, Woody Harrelson has. Yeah. Where she's the, your best friend or your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And, she could be a romantic lead. She can be um, a authority figure, like a principal or a cop or something like that. You know, it's. Um, I can't believe she hasn't done a movie where she's like the president. But oh yeah, single. she's like single. Oh, kind of like a, a a long shot scenario. That'd be fun. Long shot, or um, combined with the American President, the Michael Douglas movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think that, uh, boy, we just, Queen Latifah, you can have that one for free. You've given us many gifts. Yeah, take it. <laughs> take it to the, take it to town. If you're listening, that sounds, Netflix will pay for that. I mean, <laughs> all I'm hearing is maybe Adam Shankman can redeem, redeem himself by, uh, well, yeah. And I mean, he'd be a perfect director for a light romantic movie about, um, a woman who has it all. She's freaking present, but mm-hmm. no love. You know, needs a romantic partner, and you know, who's 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 a you know, get Sandler to it. <laughs> he's the guy, he's, 
That'd be fun. Yeah, like uh, Adam Sandler is a it's a, a wily new senator with some peculiar takes. Peculiar takes, and they butt heads when it comes to the law <laughs> and the country, the state of the country. Oh no! Or do they bite the bedroom? Oh. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> ah. Eat him. Yeah, he wants to raise taxes, but man, he's cute. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And why is he? Yeah, why is he hanging out with the Senator Spade? David Spade just plays himself as a senator. Well, yeah. Then you you cast a rogues gallery of awful senators with Adam Sandler's friends. Oh my god! I, mean, I would love to totally, see. I would love to totally see <laughs> Nick Swardson. Alan Cover. Alan Cover is a real lechy, touchy feely senator from Arkansas. Yeah. P- uh, Peter Don uh, Peter Dante's the stone senator. He's always stoned for some reason. Yeah, he's from like Fort Lauderdale. Or <laughs> yeah, <like that. laughs> I'm, I'm going to legalize Jimmy Buffett. It's like that's already illegal. <laughs> nice try, Peter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Spade is the like um, the guy who's trying to make his way up the ladder, and he's causing all sorts of uh, he's he's real slimy. Ooh, yeah. Well, he could be like a Lindsey Graham. Uh, I could see him doing like a good Lindsey Graham impression, kind of. And Rob Rob Schneider is unfortunately another race. Get this movie canceled. Oh no, Rob! You gotta you gotta avoid this movie, Rob. <laughs> Over. Oh, and um, Kevin James is um, Queen Latifah's loyal, good-hearted head of Secret Service. Yes, and he's always, um, it's actually Paul Blart. He's been promoted. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's basically Paul Blart. <laughs> it's a stealth Paul Blart oh, sequel. And, um, there's also a weird In the Line of Fire type subplot. Uh, in the yes. Line of Fire or uh, a Murder in 1600 type subplot. With <laughs> they find the skeleton of Dennis Miller. <laughs> Yeah, well, Dennis Miller is the assassin. He's like a conspiracy theorist assassin. Ah, oh, that's actually yeah, that's incredible. That I would. We need to write oh this movie. God. This is like our magnum opus, Todd. Hey, like the listeners are like right now, just like man, getting on their final draft, writing up this script. They just heard damn gold. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I didn't know gold had such uh, soothing tones. I mean, this is like funny. And romantic, and emotional, political. Yes. Cut it all. It's all yeah. You know, there's a vanilla ice cream. Are the, are the are the politics of this movie right? <laughs> Probably. <not>. Maybe <laughs> no question mark. <laughs> there, there's politics. Yeah. It's like when you find out Adam Sandler donated to Rudy Giuliani's presidential campaign in like 2000. You're like, oh, Sandman. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's yeah. I think well, I think it would just be apolitical. I think that's the thing is it would just have no. It'd be like a movie about the presidency, but then like there will be no allusions to the, the no, corridors of power. Instead of senator, he's just like a slacker pizza delivery man who delivers pizza to the White House, and then she falls in love with him. Yeah, that that'd be fun too. I'd be down with that. He's like Mr. Deeds or something like that in this one. Yeah, he has like a he has a, a foot that he can't feel, and at a certain point, he's like Queen Latifah, take that poker, stab my foot. And he's into uh, Little Caesars hot and ready pizzas. 
Scott one. And uh, he's a big fan of uh, well, hell will bring sticks back. Yes. That's the band. <laughs> That he's inexplicably obsessed with, and he and he the loves 70s, the '70s band that he's inexplicably, inexplicably obsessed with. In this one, yeah, he also <laughs> loves. Yeah, he loves going to Red Lobster with John Elway for some reason. Yeah, and Dan Patrick's there. Yes. And, I mean, yeah, like bringing him out. McEnroe is in it, and like, you yeah, know, yeah, they're all of all of Sandler's like friends and goons are, are in the band. Uh, this is like this is like our our heaven's gate. We have to write this. We have yeah. To... yeah we're we're gonna go. You know, seventy million dollars over budget <laughs> for eleven months, five hours long. I just heard. Um, we'll we'll get the girl trip in just a second here, folks. But I just heard I was reading up on it. So Noel Baumbach's next movie is a adaptation of Don DeLillo's book White Noise. Oh wow. Yeah. You have red, white noise. White noise is not a traditional Noah Baumbach thing by any means. Mm-hmm. And uh, he apparently shot for like nine months on it and oh. switched cinematographers. And the rumor is the budget's like $120 million. Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a big, and Netflix put its bill on all of it. Oh my and, God. Um, yeah. So it's like one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, like, it's, that's it's exciting. Is, but everyone, this is definitely no Bob Lux. That is like happening right now. Oh my God. The, oh, Adam Driver in the lead role, too. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Greta Gerwig are the lead. Yeah. It's all happening. It's, it's going to be. That's a movie that. Yeah, I hope it's good. I want it to be really good. I, I, you know, we can get, let's get back to the movies. You know, we had the Northmen earlier this year that kind of headed in that direction. <laughs> O'Tours spiraling out of control and spending too much money. Let's yeah. get back to it. That's good. Let's get back to the responsible O'Tour. Let, yeah, <laughs> let, the, let the O'Tour be a little stinker. It's great. <laughs> Adam Shankman and the Russo brothers will make your money back. Yeah. So, getting, speaking of O'Tours, speaking of works of O'Tourist craft, 2017's Girls Trip is mm. next. Is our third and final Queen Latifah movie. This one, of course, is a just a straight up comedy film directed by Malcolm B. Lee, screenplay by Kenya Barris and Tracy Oliver, story by Erica uh, Rivenhola, Kenya Barris, and Tracy Oliver. This film. Another great crew in this film. We got Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett returns, and mm-hmm. um, Tiffany Haddish. Of course, um, one thing I forgot to mention, you know, Regina Hall hosted the Academy Awards last year. Queen Latifah, a uh, former Academy Award nominee, and Jada Pinkett, of course, an Academy Award attender. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all know. Oh, no. <laughs> also jada pinkett didn't realize how like she is tiny she can fit in like a pocket you oh. see yeah queen latifah could her like a kangaroo yeah honestly i was like they they were like sitting standing next to each other and i was like oh my god like queen latifah is yeah, towering over 
Yeah, she's tiny, and the rest of the gals are um, tall. Yeah, they're tall. Yeah, like it's like she like does she like live in like a, the downsizing community? Yeah, yeah. yeah she got small. Yes. here? They're they're party boy mansion. Yeah, I mean the dream. Living next to Udo Kier oh. and Christoph Waltz. Come on. I am. Um, I like unequivocally like that movie. I think there's stuff. I know I... that other people don't, but mm-hmm. I, I genuinely like that movie. There's cool stuff in it. Like I do love Christoph Waltz and Udo Kier in that movie. I think that's they're like O'Toole gone... That's another O'Toole Gone Wild movie. Yes, so, that is true. Like. Kind of padding outside of his weight class in terms of effects and like I do like you know you know who could have done downsizing and really knocked it out of the park with the same story as Albert Brooks. Yeah, Albert and Brooks would have found a way to make it ninety minutes. Yep, and do the story. Yeah, I feel but, like he yeah. also yeah has more pathos than like yeah he would yeah like imagine Albert Brooks starring in that that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think because yeah, it's like bouncing between a Matt Damon um, discovering his humanity movie, and he's very good at those. He's made yeah. many of them. Yeah, he's, yeah. Fine. Um, he's good in it. And like a weird kind of absurdist comedy. Anyway, that's yes. a girl's trip. Uh, Lauren Tate, Mike Coulter, and Kate Walsh co-star. As long as I mean, I, I, you know, I think you can make the argument um, one of the supporting roles in the film, The Essence Festival. Mm. <laughs> role in the film as does the city of new orleans so we meet our their long-term friends regina hall is our ostensible lead ryan pierce best-selling author and kind of um very modern job of being a um kind of a brand lifestyle seller Mm -hmm. of some sort Mm -hmm. queen latifah is a former you know Time magazine journalist now, just an internet gossip reporter. Oh boy. Oh yeah. How uh, was the story like? <laughs> like, yeah, like she has like a story on like Kevin Hart being like it's incontinent or something. Just very yeah, weird. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's her big scoop. Yeah, um, deeply bizarre. Jada uh, Pinkett Smith is a nurse mom and stick in the mud. Yeah, she does not <laughs> uh, like fun. Not Sony anymore. Um, uh, perhaps making the biggest change in character, <laughs> and she's not getting <laughs> anti-massage anymore. <laughs> like, like, um, and then um, Tina Hannish is Dina, who is just I texted Patrick a fucking force of nature. <laughs> yes, she is <laughs> like a who comes, in, who comes in hot and just gets hotter. Just a like, just a, a a person of pure id that does whatever who she wants at any time. Be, who should be in every movie? Yeah, no, she's like <laughs> she's like a better Joker in this movie than half the Jokers we've had in the past. She's great. She is she is the fun Joker of our dreams. Yes, um, we need a Joker. Everyone, every movie needs a Joker-fied character, and she's Joker-fed. It's wonderful. This movie was released July twenty first of twenty seventeen. A budget of $19 million made 140.9. Don't tell me comedies are dead. Massive success. Mm. Uh, obviously, we're huge count card counterheads. So there's that, too. We should go oh. to that game. Um, for for sure. 
on Rotten Tomatoes. Girls Trip is the rare R-rated comedy that pushes boundaries to truly comedic effect. It anchors its laugh and compelling characters, brought to life by a brilliantly assembled cast. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Massive success. Comedies aren't dead. Make comedies. It's possible. As long yeah. as they're fun. Even rumors that they're trying to get Tiffany Haddish a supporting actress nomination mm-hmm. for this movie. It's like Melissa McCarthy got for Bridesmaids. Yes. Same, um, same kind of thing. They've talked about the desire to do a potential sequel. Bring it on. We'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're, it's, it's, you know, it's, this is like a hard movie to talk about because it's just, it's a funny comedy that's good. Like, <laughs> we'll just be quick. Like, if you're looking for a good time, watch this movie. It's a plaque. Yeah, she, like, it is like 100% a career defining, like, her, like, first scene, she's at an STD clinic and she's like, it's just chlamydia. <laughs> yeah. Comedy gold. That's great. She's it's, dancing. she's so she's happy. She beats. Like that part where she sees uh, Regina Hall's boyfriend husband at the bar, she takes off her earrings. I was like laughing the second she's her taking off her earrings. That's like, such a funny thing to do. Like, it's like everything she does is fucking funny. This movie is raunchy as hell. There's this part where this old man hangs down. Oh my god! On all these people on this high wire. You heard about this part? Everyone saw this movie. You know this part. But it's just like. The fact that it's like trying to be like a heartfelt movie about friends coming back together while also having scenes where they're like on tight ropes pissing on the citizens of New Orleans. Yeah, just giving um, giving a city a golden shower. It's crazy. This is like this is like giving a give it giving us gifts on all sides. Get rid of that terrible husband of uh uh Regina Hall. I mean there's there are dance fights in this movie. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it is a fun time. Like, you're right. Like, we're not going to break it down. We're not going to reiterate the jokes for you. But it's a massively satisfying, fun time. Queen Latifah is at the heart of the emotional story of this movie because as a gossip columnist, basically, she's aware that Regina Hall's husband, who they're supposed to be this like power couple, is cheating on her with everybody in psych mm-hmm. so queen has got a moral conundrum because it's a big scoop yep and queen is like losing her house yeah she's, she's, out of getting, money. she's getting her car repoed it's not good it's terrible so she needs a break but fortunately much like set it off you know the tragedies on the horizon when you watch girls trip you're like yeah it's probably all gonna work out yeah and it does <laughs> there's almost like a yeah, there's almost a part of me that like, and I can't believe I'm making this comparison. I almost kind of wish that this movie was kind of like the movie uh, Spring Break in the sense of like, um, like I almost wish they didn't have that like subplot with Queen Latifah and Regina Hall. Like this movie so would have been I just that way the first time I saw it. I wanted a chaos movie with just these four women causing trouble all over New York. Yeah, just having hijinks, just goofing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I don't think it would have made 140 million. That's true. It does need that buying emotional gotcha. element to it. You know, I'm sure a lot of like groups of women went and saw this movie for a girls' night out and had a blast and you know had drinks afterwards and maybe got in a fight and it was a wonderful night. Yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they, they got weird absence from a weird man. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, because 
Yeah, when this movie goes into like scenes where like they're tripping out and Queen Latifah's humping a lamp. Um, <laughs> it's like fun stuff. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like just a, a guy runs out of a, a room with a grapefruit on his dick. I don't. <laughs> Two grapefruits actually crazy. He's got a huge dog. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's an established character trait. A young man, huge dog. Yeah, his character is Big Penis. <laughs> yeah. But it's a wonderful movie when you see men used like objects in the in the in the in in for for the sake of women having a good time and getting their groove back good yes! for them there needs to be more movies like it was a good fun fucking time really good and then like a pleasant yeah. surprise and i think i think you know i think it would not have if it was a pure raunchy hangout movie it would have been satisfying to the two hosts of the academy academy beyond belief mm-hmm. but for the rest of the universe, it needed the that did need that emotional hook. That's totally fair. You know, I'll get I'll yeah, that makes perfect sense. It is like, yeah, we're we're I, I keep forgetting that we're both like we've watched so many movies that our brains are warped. You know, we <laughs> yeah. want to be warped and just like <laughs> give us caddyshack, but with a group of female friends. Yeah, we just, just like <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, insane, surreal bit after stupid, insane, surreal bit. Oh, man. If this movie had an, a weird puppet of, like, uh, a beaver or something that was constantly, you like, know, getting like, in their way. You know, there's that part in um, one of the greatest pieces of comedy. A part in Wet Hot American Summer where they just go to town mm-hmm. and then it goes all to hell when they become drug addicts. Then they come back an hour later and everything's fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's like that is like my brand of comedy, and there are moments of that in this. That part where they piss on all those people is like insane. It's that is insane. it is like because like here's the thing it's like a guy, it, it's yeah, a <laughs> it's a guy yeah. It's like they got like the the it's like they got the um it's like they got the hose from Monty Python and the Meaning of Life for throwing up for that Mr. Crusoe throwing up, but it's just it's filled yeah. with piss. It's crazy. It, so it, it's teasing out like when they go to the ratty hotel and the naked homeless guy shows up and offers them two dollars for sex <laughs> and Tiffany Haddish is like take him up on it insane <laughs> well she like Tiffany Haddish her character just to give a little context to the pissing scene like Jada Pinkett you know she needs to go to the bathroom she's on like a uh, what is it like some sort of like uh, what's a it called line. yeah zip line exactly she's on a zip line she gets stuck in the middle of it because she's like she she weighs as much as like a thin mint. She's like a tiny person, so she doesn't make it all the way. Yeah. And then she, she ends up having to pee. She pees herself, and it's like a it's like an, and I'm glad though that both Queen Latifah and Regina Hall like comment on it. Like that's a lot of piss. Yeah, the, the, it's it's crazy how much she. It's nuts. It's like half of her body weight and piss. Something about like her bladder must be like half of her body. <laughs> like such a chaos agent it's like do i see this as an embarrassing moment for a friend no i see this as an opportunity to do the same thing just for fun yeah, i'm we're bonding we're gonna i'm gonna... <laughs> it reminds me of like I don't... yeah fantastic it's fantastic it's great like, it's incredible they're on the with all the ladies going to Essence Fest and Tiffany Haddish just takes over the plane and buys shots for everybody on the oh, plane. Oh, insane! I love that part. That part's crazy. Terrific. 
I would terrific. Yeah. Every movie, every comedy movie needs an agent of chaos. Yes. You can't just be like, yeah, you need, you need a joker. Yeah. To get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And the best one, the best ones do have this. It's like, going back to like Caddyshack, it's like, okay, like, this story of like the caddy who's like, oh, is he going to go to college or whatever? Meanwhile, Bill Murray's trying to blow up the golf course to kill a gopher puppet who dances Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's all you need. Yeah. Like, comedies, the glory of them, like when they're done right, can be surreal. And it's accepted because you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, that it just gets weirder and weirder. And like more options are on the table. And this is like, like, because people have been lamenting, like, where are like the theatrical comedies? Oh, yeah. And this is a banger. People went and saw this movie. Like, use it as a model. Yeah, 100%. What's possible? And it doesn't have to be like, you know, the thing about this movie, too, it doesn't punch down. No. About like a lot of canceled male comedians it's like i can't punch down anymore uh you yeah, know <laughs> this is like the anti bringing down the house but you Which... could still be funny and you can yes. still be raunchy crazy and like jaw dropping mm-hmm. but not offend anybody this like there's nothing offensive in this movie no it's, it's funny it's very funny <laughs> i mean and there is like some like I mean, like, there still is some stuff that you would consider offensive, but not, like, offensive in the regard you're saying. Like, it's, like, offensive purely yeah. on a scatological level, or, like, a... Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is, like, like that scene in Bridesmaids where they're shitting in the streets. Yes! That's super funny. Oh, super good. funny. 100% good, yeah. Although, man, I still have... Can't... I, like, I, I think I like this one more than Bridesmaids. I think so, too. Also, uh, this movie doesn't have an inexplicably Irish cop, like, traffic cop. In the year no. of our Lord, 2011. God, like... But, like, it does make up for it by having um, Tim Heidecker as Maya Rudolph's wordless groom. Yeah, that is insane. <laughs> I remember seeing him in the movie and being like, well, I cannot wait for bits, and then nothing came. And I was like, oh. And he's like, so why were you casting? Did you just cast for your look or something? What? <laughs> I wonder if there's like some Heidecker hijinks on the cutting room floor. I'm very curious. Oh, but I think maybe it's like this like only he he would find this very funny, this idea of like I'm not gonna do anything and that will be funny. <laughs> he's like a little he's like a little uh like a little Easter egg for the Heidecker heads. But he's like a human joker of comedy. And that's why we love him. Because oh, he's for always sure. looking that's like unexpected perhaps not even funny perhaps scary but then becomes funny (laughs) (laughs) reminds me of like he was also in the fantastic four movie as like uh as uh reed richard as miles teller's like semi-abusive but not quite abusive father like he had like one cameo as kind of (laughs) like as 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 reed richard's like weird dad I have to give a shout out to before we get to uh, close how things like girls trips as well. Um, Tim Heidecker just released a album called High School, full of incredibly well produced, sincere songs about aging and looking back on your life. Oh my god, <laughs> it's, it's great! It's like great soft rock. 
<laughs> and I, I played it for my brother the other day. He's like, is this for real? I'm like, I think it is. And that's the crazy part. <laughs> like seven. That's totally sincere. No joke. Insane. I mean, he's like a good, I've listened to his music. Like his, his sincere music is good. And he has that within yeah. him. Yeah. So that's nice. He's just, yeah, he's he's one of the most incredible artists in comedy going right now. I and mean, he's like touring now. He's doing half of his show is this sincere set of music and half of his show is this no more bullshit Bill Maher character. Oh god, yeah. That it's <laughs> with this with his leather jacket. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Very good. <laughs> one of the most one of the most interesting people in entertainment. But anyway, as is Tiffany Haddish. By the way. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. But this this is a this is a fun. I hope the Flossy Posse gets back together for another Ooh, ride. They ride again. Uh, they need to ride again. If we learn anything this week, uh, friend groups are red. Friend groups are even better if Queen Latifah is a part of your friend group. Yeah, and hey, <laughs> here's the thing: bring down the house. No friend group, really. You know, like Steve yeah. Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin and Eugene Levy. A friend group did not does not make. No, no, it does not. You got to have fun, fun with your ladies, whether it's tragically robbing a bank or just burning down New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just chokerifying New Orleans one, one golden effort, shower at a time. In the effort of a really, really good time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said if it's like, I want to go to New Orleans and drink out of weird cups. I want to go to the essence and yell at Puff Daddy. <laughs> yes, I want to. I want to see Mace. I want I want to I want to flash, flash Mace with my with my my boobs and and get on stage. It's like they've got great music. They have cooking uh, showcases. It's, there's all sorts of fun stuff happening. It's, it's, it's yeah. This is like new. This is like New Orleans by way of Cibola or Xanadu. Yeah. <laughs> or Mecca. Like it's just yeah. It's just heaven. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been to New Orleans. I've walked down those I've walked down those pissy streets. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> actually, Bourbon Street does legitimately smell like this. Oh and I yeah, don't mean that. even in as an insult, it's just a fact. No, that <laughs> as someone, yeah, I I've been to New Orleans too, and yeah, that yeah, I think like you know maybe that's like <laughs> maybe the, the girl strip that's girl strip's way of explaining the origins of why it smells like piss. Well, now a lot of gals they've taken inspiration you know want to go on vacation with their friends and a big part of it is taking really public pisses oh no <laughs> oh no girls trip what have you done i don't know but it's a great movie it's fun yeah. Queen Latifah's incredible. she's she's so like there's nothing meta about here there's nothing ironic everything is like sincere in mm-hmm. the moment it's just like such a good actor she can play off of everyone like well like yeah. she's a great support, she's a great supporting person to like everyone on screen. You know, we talked about it how good she is. Like her and Sandler have such a natural, beautiful chemistry and hustle. And after years of Sandler being paired with a young, pretty girl, skinny, pretty girl of the moment who yeah. got younger and younger, Sandler got older and older. Hustle was like such a relief. It's like, oh man, they're like the same age, and they're yeah. like peers. They like seem like they've been in a relationship a long time, and there's this beautiful mutual respect. 
<laughs> and they have like a shorthand with each other. They didn't meet that day, and you're uh, yeah, you're supposed to date this goofy ass guy. Yeah, it's you not know? like yeah, they're not getting like Brooklyn Decker to play Adam Sandler's role. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, or like Jessica Biel or somebody like that. It's oh like, my gosh, yeah. You know, I mean, and you know, we are hearing about every episode. We are not only defenders; we are Sandler apologists. Yeah, so we're not even going to that this is wrong necessarily but it seems like sandler like is like even jennifer aniston who's out of his league is at least age appropriate <laughs> yeah give him that. yeah well, out like, of his league, but appropriate. the right <laughs> age yeah well and like yeah well and he also did like was it um that one movie the marriage movie where he's like married to rachel dredge too. so like yeah no it's like a good it's good yeah and, and regardless like watch girl's trip watch hustle watch set it off maybe skip bringing down the house yeah we should have we should have watched hustle instead of bringing down the house i think that's the thing i've ultimately came up came uh, came Uh, to the conclusion of there's only one there's only one movie where you you got me straight tripping boo so we had we had to i had to yeah i took the uh, like like uh after when once bringing down the house was finished i screamed it is accomplished yep (laughs) <laughs> and Peter yeah. Gabriel began to play. Yeah, different drum by Peter Gabriel started, and he walked out to the desert, had some visions. <laughs> yeah, saw, was... saw, a life, saw a life in which you didn't watch Bringing Down the House. It was beautiful. I had a family. You had I, a family. Right. I, I really should not have watched Bringing Down the House because that that was a carpenter. But... Yeah, it was <laughs> the book. But the book of Bringing Down the House like. Yeah. Harry Dean's fantasy when he's like, man, he's up to something. Patrick, you, you have to watch, you have to rent bringing down the house. No, I have a family! This is, a, this is wild. This is a bit that is guaranteed never been done in the history of it. Insane. <laughs> An insane bit. This, We're... This, tops our, this tops our indie world version of Goodfellas. Yes. <laughs> We're just we're broken men. It's great. Oh, we're like bro- all these movies are. Cool. I feel like we're in um, Inception, and we're in like the fifth dream level. <laughs> yes, uh, I think part of it's that we're like up at like you know, we got up at like six thirty, both of us to like record this episode. We're both Think about it, though. We have we have the rest of the day to watch more mediocre movies from the early. Oh man, <laughs> I think I'm gonna like. <laughs> I'm gonna like make a frozen margarita and watch uh, and yeah. watch the rest of that hard rock. <laughs> gonna get day drunk. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Get some Cabo Wabo. Oof, <laughs> Cabo Wabo, Cabo Wabo. The um, yeah, bringing down the house, bring down, bringing out the dead. Much different film than yes. Down the house. No one is and, uh, no one is straight tripping booing, or maybe no, everyone is straight. Uh, Paired with the um, deeply excellent Red Rock West, and I think that's really show um, programmed by Nicolas Cage himself. So I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I was at the New Beverly all night last night, but I also firmly believe Nicolas Cage is going to be there tonight. Who? It has not been announced. There's no real indication of this at all. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I have this gut feeling. And I've been to enough of these screenings where people show up that my like my senses are heightened to this mm. kind of thing. Yeah, you're, vibes. 
You're attuned. Bed. And if I see on Twitter that I took the night off and I relaxed and I watched another episode of The Old Man, uh, yeah. I see on Twitter that Nicholas Cage showed up in a like a leopard print jacket to talk about two of his favorite movies, mm. I'm going to be very upset. For sure, yeah. <laughs> we got to suck it off. Yep. <laughs> got it. You got it. We got to just do it. Yeah, if we're tired and he doesn't show up, we can watch the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Want to do. Yeah. But, uh, go see Girl Trip. Go see Set It Off. Go see Hustle. Go see Big Wednesday. You we, you have no idea what we're talking about, but Patrick and I can vouch for Big Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Big Wednesday. <laughs> that, that'd be, make a fun Sunday. Yeah. Big oh. Wednesday would make a fun Sunday. Make you want to go surfing. Yeah. <sighs> man, we travel the globe from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday we... morning. We have we have uh, tripped the boo fantastic. We have tripped the boo. I think uh, I think you may have found the title of this episode. Tripping the, the boo fantastic. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It is accomplished. Oh, it, it's complicated. It's it's complicated. It's so funny. The movie ended with Willem Dafoe going. It's complicated. That's that's you at the end when you're start, when you're finishing the DVD, uh, following through to your destiny. It's I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just pulling a Tommaso by LAX. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's complicated a, with like a frozen with a frozen Morgan hand. With a frozen Morgan <laughs> hand, as I'm watching Steve Albini talk about Robert Fripp. <laughs> yep. God. And how can Crimson's better than the Beatles or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, I feel like they get so funny seeing people say things like White Snake is truly the best band of his era. <laughs> like, so. of, nobody's talking about it. White, White Snake is vastly superior to Guns N' Roses. They're not. They're no, not. no. <laughs> get out of here, Richie Sambora. Get out of here. <laughs> get, get out of here, bassist for Wasp. Uh, well, VH1, VH1 was very committed to loving the 80s as we know oh yeah what a what a <laughs> time to be alive next week on the show we start a new series yes this is one we're excited about it might go on too long be ready for it but it's going to be interesting and we are promising only two movies a week <laughs> yes <laughs> for, t- for, 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 for the foreseeable future thank god uh, thank we're, god we're, we're excited about it it's about it's another director showcase Two directors, um, two related directors mm-hmm. by blood. You'll have to find out next week. <laughs> but uh, it's gonna be a fun one. Two, two movies I'm very excited about. One I've seen, one I haven't, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll uh, get into it then. But uh, thank you, Queen Latifah. Man, aptly named Queen. Queen, total Queen. Good episode. Fun time. This one was a little chaotic. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.